up babies i am back and today is going to be an epic episode i'm not even going to let you know who's the guest but we're going to get started with a little bit of icebreaker i'm going to ask him some questions and he is going to let me know what he prefers so are you ready sir i am ready okay so we discussed this one earlier cardi b or beyonce (laughs) So, like I said earlier, it's Cardi B if I'm feeling nasty. It's Beyonce if I'm feeling classy. Okay. All right. It all depends. I know that's right because I love them both (laughs) too. I love them both myself. Okay. So, what about Family Matters or That So 70 Show? So, it's a hard one because... Family Matters was a a staple growing up. Like, it it was TGI Friday. Like, it's, it's what it was. You watched that. But that 70s show, it was more so about what the teenagers did in the basement the parents didn't know. Right. So it, I kind of like them both a little bit. But if I had to choose one over the other one, it was Family Matters. Yay! Okay, that would be my <laughs> choice, too. I love Steve Urkel. And uh, my son made a comment earlier uh, calling me Stevie Urkel instead of Steve Urkel. <laughs> you know, trying to be funny because I snort when right. I laugh. Um, right. Pepsi or Coke? Uh, Diet Coke. Diet Coke. And okay. I think the reason is because Pepsi was such a thing in my house growing up. Like, everybody drank Pepsi, and it had to become the bottle. And so I had so much of it growing up. And then, like, regular Coke is just too sweet for me. But Diet Coke, I can do it all day. But it has to come from a can. I can't do a fountain. I don't give me no Diet Coke from a restaurant. It's got to be canned Diet Coke. I'm super weird like that. Okay, okay. I yeah. do not do soda at all. Only soda that I do is ginger ale. And... Um, I had to let sodas go because they were making me just too hyper, like issues with sleeping, and right. I just had to let them go. Um, so for me, when I got on my diet, I, I did all I well, and I don't really drink sodas as it is now. Sometimes it'll be like a Zevia or one of those carbonated um, sparkling waters with flavors. But if I'm going to have a soda, it's going to be a Diet Coke. But I pretty much cut out sugars. Um, during COVID, when I was on weight loss and I lost all my weight, um, it was one of those things where I was surprised how much you know weight you gain from just the sugars and the drinks. So cutting that out and just doing like unsweetened tea and stuff. But if I wanted to do something soda-wise, it's going to be a Diet Coke. Okay, what about coffee or tea? Oh, God, coffee all day. You know me and my Starbucks. You know me and my Starbucks. I would be late to work because I had to stop and go to Starbucks, and I don't give a shit who got something to say about it. <laughs> It could be, you know, six feet of snow outside. I'm still going to get my iced coffee. Y'all already know me. It's a habit. (laughs) Last one. Disney Disney or Nick? Disney. And Disney only because Marvel and Star Wars are a part of Disney now. Right. So that's why. And one of my questions was going to be Marvel or DC Comics. (laughs) Girl, it depends. So if we're going to talk about DC, you know I'm all about that Batman, um, any version of the Batman. Um, but if we're going to look at Marvel, I love missing Thor. I love missing Captain America. That's America's ass. You know me. Um, so <laughs> it, it really depends on what we're looking at here. You know, what are we judging? Are we, you know, I can kind of go both ways with it, but I've always loved Batman. That's been my thing. If we're looking at DC, it's always Batman. If we're looking at Marvel, it's like Thor and Captain America. Right. I mean, just don't get no better than that. Right. I love the X Men. <laughs> I have to. I have to give it to him. Wolverine is my favorite, but DC, um, definitely Batman. 
Uh, definitely uh, Wonder Woman, things of that nature. Yeah. So Wonder Woman, I can get down with Wonder Woman. She don't take no shit from nobody. Like, that is, like, the epitome of, like, strong female woman. And I absolutely, you know, I absolutely love that. Um, but, yeah, when you got when you got Marvel in there and X-Men, too, they can't, nobody beat Cyclops, Storm, Jean Grey. Like, they some shady bitches. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay, so... Give the listeners a little bit of the about me, your background information, your name, all of that. Like, let's get into yes. it. Yeah, not a problem. So my name is Lewis, um, and I actually grew up um, back in Charlotte County, um, where Vi is from um, as well. So, um, you know, I have I grew up in a very small country town. Um, I am gay, obviously, if you couldn't pick that up by now. Um, and it, you know... What I do now is I went to college. I got my degree in British literature. British literature, um, so it's a more so communication and English degree. Um, I minored in microbiology, so I have a science background as well. I work in hospitality. Um, I've been in hospitality, God, since I was nineteen, um, but I've always been kind of in that customer service role. So um, I've worked for Hilton's, Marriott, Holiday Inns, just kind of all the big brands out there. I'm still with it. I've been in the industry now for about 16 years. Um, and with my position now, I oversee the sales effort of about 12 hotels um, with um, my staff. Uh, so there's that. Um, on, a per- on a personal side, um, I have been with my partner uh, for 14 years now. Um, next month will actually be 14 years of a lifetime prison sentence. That's what we call it. Uh, neither one of us are getting the fuck out anytime soon. Um, we have three dogs. Uh, we did have to put our beagle, unfortunately, down at the end of 2022. He was 13, but we did get a brand new little corgi who is just the, the light of my life and a hurricane sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I just live a very quiet life. I love to travel. I'm actually planning some trips here soon. I think we're going to go to the uh, to Bermuda for a week, um, maybe Cozumel for a week. So really, it's really a thing. Laid back, love the beach, love the travel, love having fun. Um, yeah, I'm shady as shit. I mean, I'll call them out. You know, you know how it is with me. I'll call them out. There's, no, and I've always said to people, there's nothing we can't talk about. We can talk about anything in this world. You know, let's just be respectful about it. But, you know, that's just what it is. Um, and on top of that, I'm a big, big, big supporter of mental health. Um, so, yeah. Okay. I love that. I love that. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Lewis does go to therapy. And we're, you, mm-hmm. you guys know that I go to therapy as well. We both just got out of therapy before yes. uh, recording <laughs> this episode. And I kind of want to ask ask you um what does therapy mean to you like you know why is it so important i guess to tell the listeners why is it so important to actually seek therapy instead of just dealing with your problems alone because a lot of my adult life um i just pushed problems to the back of my mind and it wasn't until my hospital (laughs) hospitalization um you know until i started therapy and I've been going since December. So, you know, tell the listeners about what it means to you. Yeah. So, I mean, for me growing up, I was I was in and out of counseling a lot. Um, my family upbringing was a little bit, a little bit strained sometimes. Um, so I used to go to counseling for like anger management and stuff like that when I was little. Uh, and, and it did help. It always helped to talk to somebody. Um, when I became an adult, it was one of those things where 
you know, when you're sick and you have a cold, you go to the doctor. And if you've got, let's just say, a rash on your arm, you go to the doctor. Because these are things that you can see. These are things that, you know, you you can experience and you can understand and you can look in the mirror and tell you're not looking, that you're not feeling well just by the way that you look. The thing with mental health is everybody wants to be more in control of their mind than I think they realize they aren't. And it can be a pride thing a lot of times, you know, and I think it's because there's a stigma around mental health. Um, when, when we talk about mental health and we talk about mental illness, we automatically think the bipolar, schizophrenic, somebody in a straight jacket, padded room in a dark, you know, a dark cell, taking medications, might go crazy at any moment. And for some people that is true, but for the vast majority of people, it's not, you know, um, if when people say I suffer from mental illness, I, I definitely hate it when people say that because it's not something that we suffer from when somebody has cancer, they don't say I am cancer. I suffer with cancer. No, they say I, I'm living with cancer. I'm trying to overcome my cancer. Cancer is an illness and there's treatment for it. And sometimes you overcome it and sometimes you have to learn to live with it. It's the same thing with mental health. So when people, nobody sits around and says, I am mental health. I am schizophrenia. I am bipolar. It's, I suffer from this. I suffer from bipolar or schizophrenia or depression or PTSD, but I'm learning how to manage it. So to me, you know, mental health is we do everything we can to take care of our bodies. In a sense, we watch what we eat. We diet, we work out, we're conscious, we go to the doctors when we need to. It's the same thing. Your mind is, you know, one of the most powerful, um, un, un, uh, what's what I'm trying to use here? It, it's a very powerful center of your uh, of your existence, but there's so much about it that we don't know. And like what you've said is you would push so much of it to the back of your mind, and eventually it becomes, I'll get to that when I get to it, I'll get to that when I get to it, I'll get to that when I get to it. And I'm going to tell you what I learned is if you don't deal with your shit as it's happening, it's going to come back to you. It's like a boomerang. You are either going to deal with it when it's happening or you're going to deal with it once it all, it's all mounted up against you. Um, either way, you're going to have to deal with it. And sometimes we deal with it in very unhealthy ways. Um, maybe we have anorexia or we have bulimia or we deal with it in anger or we deal with it in drinking or we deal with it in doing drugs. But you know, it, it's a lot of times we deal with it in ways that are not healthy. And the healthiest way to do it is just to talk about it. There's nothing wrong with going to therapy. So to me, mental health really means becoming more connected with who you are as a person um, and trying just to navigate through this life. I love that. I love that. So I need to start saying I'm living <laughs> with bipolar, PTSD. Correct depression and anxiety like it's all in one um you know yeah when i first started this journey um the first thing that they tried to diagnose me with was schizophrenia uh, because i was having issues with psychosis but i later found out i found out a couple weeks ago i have thyroid issues and if they're untreated they can present as schizophrenia like correct you know and, and so Go ahead. What a lot, yeah, what a lot of people don't realize is when it comes to mental illness, it's because there's a chemical imbalance in your system a lot of times. Um, sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's traumas. And so some things can masquerade as other things. And this is a perfect example right here where 
they wanted to diagnose you as one thing and in reality it was something else and it, it, you know mental health is also meaning advocating for yourself and i can't say this enough to people you have to advocate for your own health you have to advocate for your own physical health for your own mental health for your own spiritual health because nobody's going to do that for you they're going to look at you they're going to look at the test results and they're going to say this is probably what you have and then they're going to send you on your way it, it's the same thing I feel with mental health. Is if, if someone is telling you, well, you're bipolar or you're schizophrenic or you're psychotic or you're, you're dealing with psychosis, and you just don't necessarily believe that, do your research. Get that second and third and fourth and fifth opinion. I mean, until you get to the end of the road and everybody agrees to the same thing, you want to make sure that what you're actually treating and going through is what it is. And I'm sure for you, it's frustrating to feel like you might be suffering from psychosis and then to come to find out it's your thyroid. Right. It was very frustrating um, because this is something that I've been going to the doctor for, like with my women parts since I was like mm -hmm. 16, 17. And um, I don't know if you remember, but like right when COVID hit that May, I had a procedure done to see if I had endometriosis and mm -hmm. they were like, everything's OK, you know, but I kept on having like these issues with anxiety. And I'm like, you know, I've never felt this anxious before in my life and they're like well we're going to check your thyroid well it's okay they they only did blood work they never did with mm -hmm. the doctor um a couple of months ago like she felt my neck and she's like has that your neck always been like that and i was like yeah she mm -hmm. said your thyroids are swollen and so i had to go through um getting um ultrasound and then i found out on my right thyroid i actually have a mass there and so that is affecting a lot of my mental health. And, um, you know, I, I just think that with the area that we are in, well, you're no longer in this area, but the area no, that, I'm not. <laughs> that I'm in, it's hard to actually find a doctor that really cares and a therapist that really cares. That's why I go to therapy all the way in Richmond. Like, yes, I do it through telehealth, but, you know, I don't feel safe enough or like they're competent enough to handle all the things that I'm going through. And so, and you know, go yeah, to your point, I'm sorry, to your point right there, though, and, and a lot of the listeners who live in these small country towns who maybe we even know who may listen to this, I've heard from some mutual friends that we have, well, I don't want to go to therapy because they're going to tell all my business. You know, and while we want to think that these medical health professionals are going to be professionals in it and follow the HIPAA laws and not do this, we also all know the truth. You know, people are going to, be gossiping and, and and one of the things that you just touched on was telehealth and i think that that's fantastic the fact that insurance companies have opened up more and are allowing more of the telehealth because it's getting it's getting that help into the hands of people who need it who maybe feel more comfortable sitting in their car or maybe feel more comfortable sitting in their house or their safe space communicating with their therapist versus having to go through the drive and showing up at the office and going in there and having people look at them. So, I mean, I think it's great that you found something that works for you like that, even with the telehealth. I do telehealth for one of my therapies, and then I do in-person for my other two therapies that I go through. So I go through a total of three therapies. Um, and telehealth has been fantastic that they've been able to, you know, get that approved through insurance and actually have it be a viable option for people, especially back home in, in that small rural country area. Right. And I think a lot of the times resources aren't discussed and people are not educated on the resources. And that's why, you know, I made this podcast. That's why I post all the stuff about mental health, um, because there's a lot of people that are struggling that you wouldn't even mm -hmm. know. Um, there have been mm -hmm. people that 
have reached out to me and I'm like, wow, I didn't know that you were going through that. And, you know, you know, trying to connect them to resources. And I know there's one person that has reached out to me and they hate crossroads. And I'm glad I've never been to crossroads, but, um, you know, I know the small town area and I do go, um, to the psychiatrist in South Boston, but that's like, you know, Mm -hmm. once every so often, um, right. And I, I didn't want to do that either. I actually want to find another psychiatrist. Um, but the new lady that they gave me, she's very helpful. And this new doctor that I found in South Hill to help me with my thyroid, she actually knows her. And so okay. you know, it made me feel a little bit more comfortable with, you know, seeing her and talking to her and letting her know, you know, letting her into my life. Um, and I think that's really important that we have to feel safe with the with the yes. providers that we we pick. You do, and that's that's so important. Like you know, I got very lucky with all of my therapists um, that I hit it off the bat with them right from the jump. But I also did the research. Um, and what's funny is that my primary therapist, I didn't even want to see her. I, I was interested in one of her colleagues who had like vast more experience. She just didn't have any availability. So they're like, hey, give this person a try. And we clicked from the beginning. But, you know, my boyfriend, um, he also goes to therapy. And so uh, he went through uh, probably, I think, like two or three therapists in the beginning until he found one that he was comfortable with. And so he was comfortable with the one therapist. And then he was there for probably about a year with them. But, you know, after about a year, it started kind of losing sight of the goal. So then he went and found a new one that he's been with for a year and absolutely loves it. And that's another thing is you can find a therapist and be great with them for a little bit, but you should always be assessing, like, are they fitting the bill? Are they meeting the expectations? Are you making the progress? Um, Because on your mental health journey, you go through so many things and you work through so many issues and traumas and insecurities that, you know, one person may not be the right fit. And I've also known people who have been with the same therapist for like four, five, six years. And I say, are you getting any better? Well, I was at one point and now I feel like I'm not, but I don't want to go find a new therapist because of my history with this person. And I always tell them, listen, you have to be your biggest advocate. There's nothing wrong with leaving one therapist and going to another. It's just like people who go get second opinions or go to different doctors for things. Sometimes a therapist just isn't equipped to handle what stage you are. They're not ready to meet you where you are on your journey. They can only take you so far. And that's um, so I think, Yeah, and I think that's great that, you know, you you're recognizing, hey, maybe this psychiatrist, I need to go find another one somewhere a little closer. Um, you know, and I think it, it's like a mechanic for your car. You know, you, you want to get your car fixed and maybe one mechanic can handle something the other one can't and then vice versa. It, it's just having that wide variety of resources available to you. Right, right. So I wanted to ask you, so how do you, yeah. how do you, um, I guess, manage your progress or how do you... How do you, like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you do that? Yeah. So, um, it's funny because there's days that I wake up and I can conquer the world and can't nobody tell me nothing about myself. And then there's days that I wake up and it is a struggle to get out of bed. Um, and both of those days are fine and it's okay. So the way that I measure it is after I am done with a therapy session, normally I, give myself a little wind down time and then before the end of the day is over I take out my notebook and I write down my session um not everything that was said but kind of like a general overview like a recap and I started doing this a while back because you know when you go through therapy regardless of what type of therapy it is you you cover a lot of stuff and 
you it, the effects of it stay with you for a little while. Um, so I could have therapy today, and what we've talked about in our therapy today, it will be on my mind for the next few days. And over the course of the next few days, I I sit with it, I travel with it, but I don't want to lose sight of what it was we initially started talking about. So I keep a I keep a journal, I keep a log, I keep little notes about things. And typically, what I'll do is every few months, my therapist and I we do a check in. We say, Hey, how are you feeling? Do you feel like we're making progress? Do we need to maybe talk about different things? Do we need to pivot? Um, and at that time, I normally look at my at my notes and I kind of see the flow. Like, are we making progress towards things? Am I working past issues? Am I working past traumas? Am I working through depression? Am I working through my anxiety? And there's only been one time where I noticed that really every time we met, we weren't really talking about anything of substance. And immediately what I did was bring it up to my therapist and I said, hey, you know, we've met now three times in a row and I really don't feel like I've gotten anything out of this because looking back on my notes, we didn't really talk of anything. And she said, okay, perfect, not a problem. Let's realign what we're trying to do here then because it's so easy, especially when you find a therapist that you're so comfortable with. It's not like you're talking to a therapist. It's like you're talking to your best friend. It's like you're talking to one of your girlfriends or a family member. And sometimes you just spend the whole hour cutting up and being shady as shit. And sometimes you spend the whole hour crying. I mean, that's just how it goes. So, I mean, there is a little bit of homework and, and work on your part that you gotta do just to stay on track, to make sure that you are fulfilling what's important to you and that you're working towards it. So that to me is how I gauge my progress. Okay, okay. So another question. So yeah. <clears throat> does your therapist give you homework? Like mm-hmm. mine, Mine has given me homework a few times and I've done them. And then like sometimes I don't do them because I get so wrapped up into my week and I get exhausted, Mm -hmm. like mentally exhausted. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you ever felt like this, but but have you ever been like so mentally exhausted that you just lay in the bed? Oh, God, yeah. You know, I get like that a lot. And um, Mm -hmm. so sometimes I don't do it, but I'm trying to be better at it. Um, Right. But... Therapy has been so important to me because it gives me that outlet because before I used to get on Facebook and just type out my whole life all the time. (laughs) And, you know, I've been doing a lot better at that. Like, yeah, sometimes I'm a little shady, you know, but I've been doing a lot better. And I think that my candle making has made it easier for me too to to manage my stress and manage my anxiety and i know yeah, it's you, your outlet right and i know that you do the axe throwing like tell the listeners yes. a little bit about that <laughs> so um yeah so i am i do axe throwing i'm on an axe throwing league with my boyfriend um and we do um it's called hatchet where you um you're standing in a, in a lane and you're throwing an axe at the target and you're competing against somebody else. Um, and then we have big axe, which is where you take this huge axe um, and you're throwing it at a target. Um, and then we do a thing called duels, which is honestly very interesting. It's where you and your partner, which in this case is my boyfriend, you're standing side by side and you're throwing your axes at the same time at the same target. Um, so there's a little bit of like team building and couples work in there. Um, but where this came from was we used to just do this for fun. And so I used to play baseball. And so axe throwing just kind of came really natural to me of the, the hand-eye coordination and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it, it's a good outlet to work out aggressions, but it's a good outlet to work out things that you're going through, um, 
you know, just like you and your candle making, you use that as your creative expression. You use that as your outlet to maybe deal with some stresses or clear your mind of things or work through problems. It's kind of the same thing with axe throwing. Um, it's just me, axes, and a wooden board. And I'm able just to kind of let everything else fade away. And when you have that, that outlet, whether it's a creative outlet, whether it's a constructive outlet, um, and you can stop thinking about your problems for a minute, sometimes you come back to them and realize that the problems were actually something you made bigger than they actually were. You know, it's just you, you step away from it for a moment. You can play a video game or make candles or go for a walk or throw an axe and then come back and say, was what I worry was what I was worrying about before still relevant or doesn't just not matter anymore. You know? So that's what axe throwing really does for me. It's one of those, it's one of those outlets. My other ones is video gaming. Um, and reading a book, watching a movie, those types of things. Video but it was something unique. Girl, you're talking to game, girl. Switch, PS5, you name it. I do all of that. I'm um, right now. I've been kind of stuck on Elden Ring for a while on PS5. Just because it's my it's my thing. I love like Legend of Zelda, like those types of RPG games. Um, but I also play Overwatch very much. I used to play Fortnite a lot. Um, but I do Overwatch pretty pretty frequently. I, I took a break though. Um, when playing Elder Ring, but yeah, yeah, go on, video game. I did not know that we have to get <laughs> yeah. on Fortnite one day, one night. So I do Fortnite on my Switch. Yeah, I do Fortnite on my Nintendo Switch. Um, I do Elder Ring on my PS5. I used to have all the systems. I sold my Xbox because I never used it. Um, my boyfriend has all the systems, and he's a he does PC gaming. So he's doing um, Apex Legends right now, I think, and he's doing Overwatch and Elden Ring and some Call of Duty. I don't, I don't know. I don't keep up with it. Um, all the time, but yeah, I do. I do video game as an outlet as well, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's essentially what you have to do, just to kind of keep yourself from not living in the in the misery and the never ending cycle of what's wrong, right? You know, and it's hard. A lot of people, you know, what kills me is when people say, "Why can't you just be happy?" It's not that hard. Well, you know, maybe ask yourself, "Are you truly happy, or do you just give off the perception that you're happy?" Because a lot of times, if people would just sit with their thoughts for a just a small amount of time, they're going to realize they're not as happy as they think they are. And that is so true. And I try to tell people that so true. as well. And when I tell people that, they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, mm-hmm. and, and you know what? This is something that I discussed before. I feel like everybody needs to go to therapy at least one yes. time in their life. <laughs> Because everybody has childhood traumas, you know, mm-hmm. even if you were the richest kid in the world and you got everything you needed, there's still childhood traumas there. There's things that happen to you that that have shaped the way that you are, the way that you think, the way that you interact with people. And yeah. one of the biggest things is, and, and it's for me, my relationship with my parents is, is mm-hmm. the biggest thing to why I have all of these issues. Because I wasn't taught certain things correctly or I wasn't, I didn't have my father in my life to show me, hey, this is the type of man that you should go for. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, those, yeah. those are all factors into why people are the way that they are. And, and I don't think that people dig that deep. And they really need to because a lot of, you know, we're seeing a lot of these killings, um, a lot of these these young kids, you know, going in school, shooting up kids and killing their parents. I mean, it's a lot that's going on in this world and it, and it stems from how people are raised. 
you know, I, I definitely agree with that. You know, I, I, there's a lot of people that say you have to come from a two-parent household. You have to come from the traditional male, female, mom, dad household. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, and it's not because I'm gay. It is simply because I, I look at the world a little bit differently. You know, I believe you have to come from a home of love and right. understanding and teaching. And whatever that looks like is whatever that looks like. If it's two moms, if it's two dads, if it's a single mom, if it's a single dad, if it's grandparents raising you, you know, whatever it may be, I, you know, I, I, I look at that sometimes. And, you know, you and I have had conversations about this um, where it's, you know, I feel like my son needs to have a male influence. I feel like my daughter needs to have a female influence. A lot of people feel the same way. And, you know, for me, I can say that I don't believe that. And it's okay. We can all say we believe however we believe with it. It's, it's, it's essentially how you want to set your child up for success. Right. Because I think for people like you and like me, and we get older in our lives, we'll be 36 next month, Jesus Christ, you know, um, we look back at kind of, if we had kids or if I had kids, like how I want my kids to be different, what I would want to teach them and show them. And, you know, I came from a very open family. I came from a family where, I mean, we, there was no racism. There was no homophobia. We were very open. Originally, we're from New Jersey, so we all just kind of moved into to Virginia back in like 1988, 1990, something like that. You know, so we all have a different mindset of it. You know, I've got many races in my family. Everyone's, you know, married. Got, we're all we're all just kind of like a big melting pot. Um, so it wasn't, you know, like I felt like I was gay because I didn't have a strong male influence in my life, or I had too much of a female influence in my life. And I think a lot of people look at that sometimes and say, well. I see a lot of single mothers who just, you know, marry up the next man who walks in because they want to get that strong male influence on their kids. And I'm, I tell them all the time, listen, <laughs> you might do more harm than good because you run into a man without knowing who he is. You don't know what he's doing to your child. It, that's you so know? true. That's so true. And, you know, Work I out was, your traumas. Right. And I was speaking on that and I upset, upset some people because I did say, you know, it's kind of hard for a single mom to raise a young boy. Mm -hmm. And it really is when they don't have any type of male figure like Correct. that's positive. And it's and it's and it's really hard for me because my my mom does have a husband, but he's older. So mm -hmm. my son wants to play basketball and my son wants to do a lot of male things yeah. that I can do. But he does not want to do them with me. It, you know, he, he, right. he's very adamant on he wants to do these things with the male. And so, you know, I said, well, I'll look at the Boys and Girls Club. Right. I'll look at, you know, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And there's just not a lot of men in these roles. And, you know, and I feel like I feel like that is because in a lot of these families, okay, they have this idea that men are only supposed to do certain things. And I don't believe that either. You know, me and my mom have it out a lot of the times because I'm like, if my son wants to pick up a Barb doll or a doll, that's okay to me because one day he's going to have a child, whether he's in a, hetero a heterosexual relationship or a, a, a gay relationship, he is going to have a child. And he needs to know how to hold a baby. He needs to know how to feed a baby. He needs to know how to comb a child's hair, just as if a woman would. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, and you know, I think the biggest thing there is, is you know, speaking about like our parents and stuff, it was a different time, it was a different age, and we all come from different backgrounds of it. You know, and we're just now, I mean, hell, even me growing up and, and the time I grew up, 
you know, and gay and all of that wasn't that long ago, you know, but I look at it now, like kids growing up in today's world, like being gay or being lesbian or being, you know, trans or bi or any of these things that's so much more mainstream and accepted now than it was just a short while ago when I was that age, you know? So I feel like a lot of parents hide behind the, I want to protect my child without realizing that you're actually doing more harm. So you're teaching your child at a very early age of picking up that Barbie doll is wrong. Well, why? Not, not, not that you're doing this, but, you know, parents sometimes will say, no, that's too girly. We can't let him play with that. That's for girls. Well, what, what, what damage are you doing by keeping him from that? You're telling him that what he wants to do and how he wants to express himself is wrong. And that, to me, is the beginning sometimes of those childhood traumatic imprints right. where we are trying to tell our children, you're wrong in how you want to express yourself and that's just not how it should be if i see a if i see a boy running around here in a princess dress go on be fierce go off sis whatever you want to do if i see a girl in overalls wanting to play with trucks go on girl play with the trucks because they're kids they don't know the difference and you know i try to explain to people your as a parent your hang-ups your mental health because you know our parents love to act like they have nothing wrong with them they perfect they made all the right decisions like irritates the shit out of me same like you know but own your shit it's okay it's okay if you fucked up as a parent it's perfectly fine you know you did the best you could i can understand that but it doesn't mean that you don't accept responsibility for that you know come back to your children later in life and say i did the best i could but i'm realizing now that it maybe wasn't the best of what you needed and I'm sorry for that. And those are the things that we continue, like me and you and our generation, need to continue to break moving forward. That's the only way we're going to make the change. And the only way we make that change is by having a better understanding of our mental health, is by having a better understanding of how we move through the world and how we want children, whether it's our children, friends' children, children in general, how we want them to feel comfortable moving through the world as well. And unfortunately, we're not going to get it from the grandparents. We're not going to get it from the great-grandparents. We're not even going to get it from our parents. It's it's those things that's like we have to be that change. And it's like we advocate for our mental health. We also have to advocate for children's mental health. And I get told all the time, well, how can you say that, but you believe that a five-year-old can come up to you and tell you that they're gay? Or that a five-year-old can come up to you and tell you that they don't feel like a boy, they want to be a girl? I know that for a fact because I knew I was gay at five years old. I just didn't know what it was called. Right. And I didn't know it was anything wrong, but I always knew that I had a different relationship with females in my life than with males. I always wanted to hang out with my my aunts. I always wanted to hang out with the girls. And not that we did anything girly. I mean, we climbed trees and ran through the woods and, and, and played baseball. I mean, that's what we did. But my aunts who did that, they didn't come out to be lesbians because they played baseball or ran through the fucking woods. Right. You know and what I'm I mean? trying and to tell my mom that about yeah. my daughter because she wants to play basketball. And my mom is like, you can't do everything that Smurf wants to do. And I'm like, wait a second. If she wants to play basketball, she may be a basketball star. Just like with gymnastics, you know, my son had a meltdown because he has been told, you know, you got to do boy stuff. You got to do boy stuff. And so he gets to his ninja class and there's no boys there. He has a whole meltdown, doesn't want to go. And you know, that's what prompted me to be like, okay, well then I need to try to get a male figure in his life or or whatever the case may be. And it's just so hard. And and like you said, I don't want it to just be anybody or, you know, like, and I'm trying to date and like, I don't even introduce these men to my children because it's like, 
I introduced them to one and that didn't go so well. You get what I'm saying? So I'm kind of like, like you said, learning from my mistakes. I'm like learning. My mom kind of did the same thing. You know, it was one of those things where it's like, at what point are you like, oh, another boyfriend? Okay. You know, and I I feel like the parents who say, hey, let me just introduce you to the person I'm dating automatically. That affects a child Mm -hmm. so much. You know, that is saying to that child, this is my opinion again, that is saying to that child, I value this person enough to have them in my life the same way I value you in my life. So I would expect you to respect them the way I respect them. And a child might not, because children are shady little fuckers, man. I'm going to tell you right now, they can (laughs) sniff it. You think I'm playing? They can sniff the bullshit out of somebody like, like I have been surprised sometimes. I have seen children look at someone and go, "Uh uh-uh. I don't like you. My daughter, she does that. Yeah, I, you know what I'm saying? And most times they can tell there's something just not right because they're looking through the world in a different way. They're looking through it. They're looking at things that we're maybe not looking at, you know? And I think that what you're doing is you're trying to find that midway point to being a good mother for your son, but also trying to provide your son who's telling you what he needs or what he wants. You're trying to provide that to him as well. You're listening. Whereas our parents more so didn't listen because they just came from the place of they know better because they're the parents. Right. And I try not to do that. I try to listen to what they want to do and, like you said, what their needs are and and just all of that all together and try to assess it and say, okay, just like my daughter, she kept on doing flips and back bends. I said, well, I'm going to have to try to get you into (laughs) gymnastics, girl. You know, and my son likes, you know, Ninja Warrior. So I thought the Ninja class would be good. But I don't think it's his interest anymore. He's really hung up on the basketball thing. He said that's his dream. He told me today that's his dream, to be a basketball you player. You know, you think about that. How many dreams do we have as kids? A lot. Yeah, look, right. And so one of the things that I've talked about in therapy before is my therapist said to me, what did you want to be when you, when you were little? I wanted to be this. I wanted to be that. I wanted to be this. I wanted that. And I remember her saying to me, okay, how many of those dreams did your parents actually stand behind and help you achieve? And I said, not many. And she said, well, there it is right there. Mm. All those things, all those things as children, you know, you, you first learn to trust from your parents. And if you're telling them what you want and you're, and they're not giving you what you want, not so much like, oh, I want the cookies, give me that. But if you're telling them, hey, I want to do this or I want to try this, and they never really help you fulfill that, it's going to affect you later in life. Because you're going to feel like you have don't have the right to ask for things in your life, whether it be a promotion, whether it be for more money, whether it whether it be to be heard in a relationship like those are things and it's deep and it's just it's so ridiculous that now as adults and this is why you know to circle back to your question originally this is why adults need to go to therapy even if it's one time like you need to go and just talk and see if there's something else there for you for some people it's not but there are so many repressed traumas and repressed memories and repressed situations that you just can't deal with on your own. There's really not. There, There is, because there is some, for me, there is some that I did not remember until going mm-hmm. into the hospital. So, yeah, you block them out. Yeah, it, it drugged them out. Like, you know, and it's, it's scary. Some of the things that I've been through, you know, as a child... And as an adult, they're really like, you're like, what? Did you really go through that? How did you get through that? You know, at that time, you know, you just flight or your flight. brain. Yeah. You're, so it's funny. I just went over this. So one of the therapies that I go through is called EMDR. Um, it's a desensitization. It's a desensitization. If I can say the word today. Um, 
therapy, and it's used typically for PTSD victims, war veterans, and stuff like that. Um, and it's a way for you to you essentially dissociate, where you disconnect your mind for a moment, and you relive a traumatic experience. Maybe it's one that you haven't thought about for a while. Maybe it's one that you've repressed. Um, but you relive a traumatic experience, and you relive the emotions that it elicited for you. And you basically kind of follow it all the way through. And you're in that moment, and you're reliving it, and you're thinking about how you could have done it differently. You're becoming desensitized to that situation, so that way you can kind of rebuild it, essentially. Um, and a lot of that comes from the fight or flight. So if you're ever in that situation where all of a sudden your body just gets in that adrenaline rush moment this type of therapy helps you be able to process a little bit more you know it, it, it's it's great because you get a chance to go back and think about how you could have handled the situation differently or how you could have processed the situation differently or how you could have let it affect you and, and like what you've just said you go into the hospital you're having all these things come out that you had forgotten mm. and you're trying to figure out how do i process this now to move on from it you know and it's the fight or flight your brain protects you it builds a cocoon around you. It boxes up that experience and moves it to the back of the closet and you won't see it anymore. And so you go digging real deep. Mm, that's deep. And it's Lewis. some scary shit. That's deep. I'm telling Lewis. you, it's some scary shit. <laughs> I've done it. And I mean, I leave these therapy sessions. I go every other Wednesday. I leave these therapy sessions sometimes and I'm fucked up sometimes. Like I come home and my boyfriend knows it takes me about 24 hours to recalibrate, you know, because it's such an intense type of therapy. And I recommend anybody listening called EMDR. Um, it's eye movement desensitization. I forget what the R stands for. Um, but it, it literally, it literally, you focus on an event, a feeling, a moment, and you follow it through all the way to the end, essentially. Um, and it does help in reprocessing. Um, it does help in readjusting some emotions. And it, it gives you tools that when you're starting to feel the anxiety, you're starting to feel this way, how you can keep yourself from reliving that trauma. You know, as a child, I was a victim of um, domestic violence, unfortunately, um, which is why I had to go to counseling for anger. Um, I've also been sexually assaulted uh, in my teen years, which, you know, that alone was something I repressed. Um, and I never really wanted to talk about it because I, you know, in my mind, I was sexually assaulted by a male. So in my mind, it was, well, I'm gay. I must have wanted it anyway. I must have gave off some type of signals or this, that, and the other, which honestly isn't the truth. You know, when, um, and in talking about that in therapy, it was, it had nothing to do with that. You know, it had nothing to do with your sexuality, it had nothing to do with that. It was an adult in your life who took advantage of their position mm. against you and you not knowing what to do. And you went into survival mode. You went into that fight or flight and you chose not to fight because fight could have meant death to you. Right. So you took flight in your mind and dissociated and put yourself somewhere else and boxed this away, you know, and if it wasn't for my mental health journey that I've been on and actually talking about it with mental health professionals, I would have not have been able to bring that back up to the surface and actually properly discuss it, make peace with it, which is the biggest thing in the world is to make peace with it and to understand it's that way it doesn't affect me, but still be able to be so open to discuss it openly, you know, here. Right. And not in a way that I walk around saying, oh, me too. I've done this. I've done that. I'm a victim of this. I'm a victim of that. I just choose not to see myself as a victim. I'm not a victim of, of child abuse. I'm not a victim of sexual assault. It's just something I've been through. It's something that had happened to me, but I've chosen to take that power back in a way. I like by that. By talking about it. I like that. And that's I all like we can that. do. You know, how many men, whether you're gay or not, and I say this to the male listeners here, whether you're gay, whether you're not, it doesn't fucking matter. Mental health. It's about men healing. 
mental health, men heal. It is really what it is. And we have so many pressures on us as men. You know, you take into that gay black men. But let's let's go into that a little bit further there because we talked about that. You've got one strike against you in this world, unfortunately, because you're already black. I mean, there's that, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. But you know it where we come from. I mean, being black, just you might as well have a target on you, right. essentially. You know, so you've got that stigma against you, and then you're gay. It's like fuck. You know, I had a friend one time that said I would rather be white and gay than black and gay because at least if you're white and gay, you don't have to tell people you're black. They can see it. And I'm like, huh, interesting. Mm, that's way to fucking think about deep. It. Like, okay. Like, all right, you know, and they're like, you can move a little bit easier in this world because you're white and you're gay. You can move silently. They're already coming for me because I'm black. Then they find out I'm gay. Oh, it's a whole other thing right now. You know, I um, mean, I may have misquoted them, but the general the general thing here is that it's harder to be a black man in America and also be gay on top of that. And then you throw transgender and all that into the mix. I mean, if you look at the amount of transgender women who have been killed, it's on the rise. And most of them are black and black. And that's true. That is very true. And it's true. very true. I mean, and so, you know, it is Pride Month. And that's one of the things that we had talked about, you know, beforehand about Pride Month and all that kind of stuff. And what most people don't know about Pride is that it stems from um, a incident called Stonewall. It's, uh, Stonewall was a bar and it's where gay people, transgenders, everybody would meet. And it got raided by the police. It's what used to happen back in the late 60s. And um, Stonewall is the place that got raided. And the, the LGBT community like stood fast and said no. You know, you're not going to do this to me. And, you know, I think as, as, as gay men and, and lesbians and stuff, we forget that the transgender individuals were the ones who actually, for the most part, threw the first stones. You know, Marsh, I, I, I tell people all the time, look up her name was Marsha P. Jefferson, I think was her name. Um, she was just such a strong um, influence. She was a black woman, black transgender woman. Um, and she did so much for the advancement of just of, of human rights, gay rights, LGBT, like all of that. Um, so I, I tell people, look it up, look into her life and what she did and how she was treated. You think about how lonely her life was and what her mental health journey must have been yeah. as a person. You know, you're born a male. You find out you're gay. You find out that you want to be a woman. You find out that you identify more as a woman. And then you choose to live that truth. That's some strong shit right there. Yeah, it is. It really is. That I is mean, strong. To live your life and not care what people think about you, that is the ultimate thing that we all want, I think. It is. It really is. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. That's what I'm aiming for. <laughs> I mean, it really is at the end of the day. So, I mean, you know, I feel honored because you wanted me to talk, you know, come on your show and talk about mental health and about myself and about what does pride mean and what does it mean to be a gay man in America. And, you know, we can talk about that, which we have, but I think at the end of the day, it ultimately comes down to you got to feel comfortable on your skin, whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're gay, whether you're straight, whether you're trans, you know, and, and that trickles down to even the children, even kids. They have to be comfortable being a kid and being able to express themselves. So mental health, we deal with it as an adult because we choose not to acknowledge it to our children. Right. You know, how many times have you heard family members say, oh, you know, that great aunt, she's crazy, but let's not talk about it around the kids. No. Pull your kids up to the dining room table and explain what's going on. I'm going to be that crazy aunt. The crazy aunt, the crazy cousin, the crazy daughter, all of the above. (laughs) I'm going to be it. 
you got to be, and, 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 and you can explain what it is, or you can act like that person is just, you know, an outcast from the family, but what is that saying to your kid? Like, if you happen to become this way, we're going to have to put you in the corner too. You know what I mean? So that's where it's like, we need to start embracing this type of thing, that mental health, mental illness, mental, anything dealing with the mental, it's not necessarily horrible. It's not anything to be afraid of. It's something to be understood about. And I think that the, I think we're getting to that point, honestly. I feel like um, we're, we're starting to get there because it's more in everybody's face. And COVID, while it did a whole shit ton of fuckery for people, put them out of business, you know, people got sick, people died. We all had to go to that. I think it was something that had to happen for people to really start taking a look at their mental health. Yeah. Because mental health became more readily available, like I was saying at the beginning, through telehealth. You know, people could... Um, reach out to therapists and the insurance company started approving it because people didn't want to go into offices and it made it more readily available and i think one of the greatest things is if you have insurance check your insurance policy because they're not going to tell you it you got to read it but mental health is normally covered a mental health visit is normally covered your yes. copay should normally be like zero bucks or maybe thirty dollars i mean depending on who you have i think my copay is like thirty dollars a lot of it, and it's the best a lot of companies actually offer um, like three free counseling sessions mm-hmm. through the job. Um, so the listeners, I know that we have talked about that before, but you know, like Lewis said, check your insurance and see who, who you can see and see how, about how much it costs, like get the help that you need. It's okay to seek help. It is okay. Like it, it is. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's one of those things. And I, I want to say, you know, specifically to gay listeners, LGBT listeners, people who are struggling with who they are, people who feel like they don't belong, people who feel like they won't be understood, especially younger ones. You do belong. You will be understood. And it's okay. I know it's hard sometimes because, God, it's, everybody wants to be the perfect vision that their parents and their family wants them to be. But, you know, their expectations out of you is nothing more than their misplaced judgment, essentially. It's really what it is. So and it's okay to disappoint people. I disappoint people daily. It's okay. It doesn't do anything to me mentally. You know, it's you know, that's just really what it comes down to. I hate when people say I'm so disappointed in you. Well, that's just misplaced expectation. You expected more out of me than I was willing to give you. You didn't check with me first. So go be disappointed in the corner. I know, you know that's what I mean? right. I mean that's really what it comes down to. Like don't put your expectations on me and when I fail to meet them, be mad at me and say I'm disappointed in you. That sounds like a you problem more than a me problem. I like that, Lewis. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day is, you know, when you, you ask me, you know, how do you know you've made progress? It's when you start feeling very comfortable in your skin and you can look at situations that used to, you know, used to try to invade your peace and your spirit. And you look at that situation and you realize it's not worth your time anymore. And that's what it is. I mean, you know, we could have a whole, whole episode you know, on, on this, on how to, you know, put into effect and, 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 and put into real life what you're learning in mental health, because it's so much there. It's so much there that you can put into everyday learning. It's just a constantly having to remind yourself that you are a better person and you're trying to be a better person and you're worthy of everything this world has to give you, whether you can get out of bed or not. I know that's right, because sometimes it is hard for me to get out of bed. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah. I have this, um, in my in my bedroom, I have this uh, picture that's on the wall. And I made sure when I put it in, so we bought a condo back in November. And I made sure in this bedroom I bought this picture and I put it up on the wall. So as soon as I woke up in the morning, I would have to see it. 
and it simply says you are enough. And it's there have been days that I have laid in that bed, woken up at eight o'clock. I've laid in that bed for probably three, four hours, just staring at that picture. You are enough. And eventually I get out of it. My lock screen on my phone, there's a thing that says you are enough. So it, it's making sure you put those positive reinforcements in your life as well. And those are things that I would have never been able to do or look for. I mean, you got to really start to get in touch with yourself and the world around you. Because I'm a firm believer in the energies you put out is what you're going to get back. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe if something happens to you, it is a direct, um, it's a direct reflection on the energy that you've put out. So when people say, oh, well, that's a coincidence. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's happening because of what you did somewhere in your life. You know, so I think that mental health ties into that as well. It's being aware of who you are in your body and your thoughts and being prepared to do things to keep yourself in a positive mindset. And those essentially are the tools that you get from mental health, from therapy, from talking about it. You learn how to cope. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I love, I'm going to love listening, re-listening <laughs> to this episode because you, you did a very good job. Like I didn't even have to read off of my paper. <laughs> like you did well, a it very did help good that, job. It did help that, that we, that we did have a brief brief little uh, message ahead of time about what it was kind of you wanted to go over but I mean this is essentially what I used to do and so the reason I agreed to the podcast is this type of thing is something I used to do you know whether it be talking to communities or whether it be you know talking to people or you know being in a discussion group or those types of things it's things that I used to do because it's important you know to give a perspective from from, from your viewpoint of who you are as a person and what you've gone through and, and how you've made it. So that way others, whether they're listening, either they're going to relate to it or they're not. Right. You know, and if you don't relate to this or if you think, you know, gay people are going to hell or if you think that mental health doesn't matter, fantastic. I love you all the same because you can have your opinion. You know, it's like I, I, I respect everybody's opinion, whether you agree with me or don't, because I'm an adult. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's fine. I don't care whether you agree with it or not. This just might not be the podcast for you. This episode just might not be the one you want to listen to. Maybe you skip over it. Or maybe this is the episode where you go, you know what? Fuck it. I need to go talk to somebody. Yes. We don't know. We you know, it's know. just like, we don't know. I listen to podcasts all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like this one. Let me move on to the next one. And then some <laughs> of them are like, fuck, this is some deep shit. Like, hold on. Let me go ahead and pause this. Or I got to write this down. I got to write what this person is talking about down, you know? So I am always down to do another episode with you. Um, okay. It could be about whatever. I mean, we can talk about Jay-Z. Come on. <laughs> we can talk about The weekend. We can talk about Drake. We can talk about Meek Mill. We can talk about anybody you want. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to that because I know you have to go and get ready. <laughs> yes, um, I got to get ready. We actually have to go axe throwing tonight. So, I mean, got to go make sure we get that in there. Okay, you guys. Thank you so much for... Um, being a guest, Lewis, and thank you so much for yeah. the listeners. Um, anything else you'd like to say, Lewis, before I go ahead and hit the stop button? No. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, yeah, can't wait to come back again. All right.